Greetings, friends and fans of G.I. Joburg. This is Steve, and in true G.I. Joburg style, we're bringing you a fireside-style chat with another G.I. Joe contributor. This fellow is called Ewart D'Souza, but he might be better known to a few of you as Strident. If you don't know who this fellow is, check him out on YouTube under S-T-R-Y-D-E-N-T. That's Strident where you'll not only find very in-depth reviews, but also exceptionally insightful, long-style YouTube audio clips, where he discusses a range of topics, G.I. Joburg-worthy, definitely, about what Hasbro is doing with the brand. And that is exactly the question that brings us together tonight. It's always a great pleasure to collaborate with a fellow G.I. Joe fan and someone who's also quite vocal in the G.I. Joe community. So I'm very thrilled to welcome Iwa to the show. Welcome, sir. Yeah, it's good to finally get on here and, and chat, man. I'm sorry it took me so long to be able to find a t- the time. This is kind of a, uh, I don't know, like it's been a while since me and my, I have an adopted sister that lives in Kenya. So usually she calls us early in the morning because it's easier for her. So mm-hmm. um, it's been kind of, you know, weird trying to link up with you guys at a decent time because I know it's late over there. What's it like, eleven over there? Eleven thirty? Correct. Oh yeah, very good, sir. Which yeah. is still early for me. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it would be over here if it was late. If it was about eleven, I'd still be up drawing or something. So, yeah, that's when yeah. I do the most. The majority of my freelance work is at night. So. Yep, yep we're all <laughs> night owls. That's how we were able to, yeah. um, you know, add fuel to the fire that is our hobby. I guess. Exactly. Fuel being money. <laughs> <laughs> no one's bothering me when I'm surrounded by my action figures late at night. With <laughs> eBay firmly ahead of me and on on the screen. <laughs> Goodness, yeah, I've been. I'm trying to finish my Resolute collection, and I've been on eBay a lot. The last two guys I need of the good guys are uh, Stalker and Beachhead. And it's crazy because Beachhead's my favorite Joe. So. Um, I've just let a whole bunch go by just based on the price. You know what I mean? Too high, too high, too high. Oh, damn, I'm like, really? Yeah, I need one to come that's at the right price. You know, everybody's asking like 18 to, you know, 30. And I'm like, eh, that's a lot, man. For that particular version, you know, because he's not, to me, he's not the uh, the best version. He's a good one, but he's he's so derivative of the Duke that comes from that line as well. Not from the box set, but the... Single card and do. Sure. And Stalker's derivative of the Snake Eyes from that line, if I'm not uh, mistaken. Yeah, they add, they added a collar to him. But it's exactly. Yeah. It's just dreadlock yeah. head on top of a, <laughs> a green Snake Eyes body, which, you know, there's a precedent for that all over the place in G.I. Joe. From That's 82 true. to the 25th anniversary to the Resolute Pack. Why not? Stalker is... He's a ninja. <laughs> pretty much. Really? He's pretty much. Yeah. <laughs> He's the black master. <laughs> you know, like <laughs> jungle cat. Outstanding. <laughs> so the agenda this evening is pretty free form, but there are a few uh I don't know, high points that we'd like to touch on. Yeah. You always have the best ideas when it comes to what Hasbro should be doing with G.I. Joe. That's definitely one. <laughs> and another one is something that um, 
you got a hold of me straight after you watched Jim Godfrey's um, customs unboxing on our channel, and you asked me, so Stephen, have you finally been won over to the modern era style G.I. Joes? <laughs> because you were fawning yeah. over those customs so hard. Like, how yeah. did the vintage possibly hold a candle to that? And I remained, yeah. <clears throat> to coin the phrase, resolute, I suppose, exactly. in my in my vintage like uh, purism, I guess. Um, yeah, sure. So maybe maybe we should get the ball rolling with that because on the one hand, I mean, Strident, you are you are you are a hugely outspoken when it comes to promoting the modern era style of construction and all the amazing things that they've achieved with that that style and you know really making the best action figures ever made i appreciate them sure but i'm not going to be swayed from my my vintage collecting uh, pursuits and then paul is right down the middle mr um i just want everything <laughs> no no restraint no holds barred kind of guy so yeah if it says gi joe i buy it is that what you're trying to say <laughs> Pretty much. You are led by your passions, sir, and it's a good thing, but not when you're, um, I suppose, trying to juggle, I don't know, financial um... yeah. <laughs> yeah. priorities. I feel I guess, for your listen, wallet. Well, I got to <laughs> say, like, it brings me a lot of happiness and sadness at the fact that um, Sideshow doesn't do G.I. Joe anymore. It's oh, yeah. uh, happiness in the awesome. form of not having to stress so much because those things were expensive, damn. <laughs> oh, yeah. And they shipping look... them was even more expensive. Double oh, damn. Yeah. yeah, Paul, you could have had a Defiant three times over. That's true. Yes. With your sideshow collection. <laughs> I very... love my sideshow collection, though. They're sexy. Yeah, there's some awesome figures. They're awesome figures. I mean, they kind of give you that uh, the middle ground between the 100% modern era you know, styling but they yeah. still reflected the aesthetics of the vintage figures. You know, like there was no mistaking when you see General Hawk with his bomber jacket and his, you know, his uh, helmet, his battle helmet and whatnot. You know it's him with the goggles and everything, even though the style is still more current. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Uh, General Hawk is a bit of a cop-out one to mention because, like, they went with the vintage style on that figure. One of the figures that was always, for me, more sort of on the borderline was rock and roll. But he's one of Paul's favorites. And yet, yeah. like, yeah, he doesn't scream version one vintage or version two. He's kind of his own yeah. thing. Screams yeah. rock and roll. With the do-rag. Yeah, well, in some way, you could say he is, it's like, because he's wearing fatigues, basic mm. fatigues. I mean, they happen to be camo, hence the, the whole, like, a jungle setting or something. Maybe that's where he's fighting. But, um... Yeah, overall, I mean, he's got the bandolier, right? The double bandolier of, uh, you know, ammunition. Mm -hmm. He's got the, uh, they added a lot of more real world stuff to him, but he's got a backpack just like the original one. Um, rock and roll version one, not straight arm, but, you know, swivel arm. <laughs> that was the first G.I. Joe I ever True. got. Oh, so he's wow. always been one of my favorites, him. And, uh, I had version two. I'm trying to get another one of the vintage, uh, version two. I love that figure. But, uh, yeah, it kind of feels like, you know, they, they did a good job updating things. I mean, if you stand him next to his vintage, you're right. He doesn't 100% look like it, but there's callbacks to him, you know? Yeah. I just love all the little surfer. Uh, I like all the... the Cobra sort of, don't uh, surf. <laughs> yep. 
Cobra don't <laughs> surf and locals only, and I love that stuff, man. It's it's really cool. Yeah. yeah, the Viper looks really awesome too. The one that blew me away the most. Oh, that Viper is beautiful. Sorry. Oh, yeah. yeah, carry on. No, it, and feel free to just like I don't care if you guys jump in and cut. This is kind of how our conversations are. We just we're all like, oh my god, oh my god, oh my god. I'm just <laughs> I mean, so yeah, no, don't, don't feel that. But um, yeah, uh, that one was awesome. And uh, Falcon, for some reason, just I don't oh. know why he stood out to me. I just I like the way he looks because I never thought very much of the character. I hated Falcon growing up, but uh, seeing that figure, I'm like, damn, he looks official. He looks more, you know, rugged and like he doesn't look like a screw up. I have a you know? theory yeah. when it comes to Falcon. And it goes back to 87, like the original figure, the card art speaks volumes in terms of character, but the figure doesn't convey that. He has a kind of a doe-eyed, blank expression, you know, green berets, at least how the file card seems to paint them, were the kind of troops that really sort of enter a area of operations and they become integrated into sort of indigenous world they they train the locals they act like a militia they are for all intents and purposes like you sort of deep deep operatives who are in country you know living off the land with no supports so the the figure just looks too clean cut and, oh yeah and too like blank slates to really give you that yeah. sense flash forward to what sideshow did with him and all of a sudden you've got like one week stubble. He he looks like he's just kind of like waded through uh, a stagnant pool somewhere and just gotten rid of his leeches. I mean he's he is in country yeah. and he is hardcore. You know, missing an action kind of call back there. So I mean, when I saw the sideshow figure, I was like, yes, that makes sense. Yep. That's Falcon. That's Falcon. At least yeah. that's the Falcon that I imagine when I read the file card. And that's yeah, always the like, purest distillation of the characters to me. What does it say in their little always, biog? Wasn't that always a problem? Like with a lot of the vintage figures was like the, um, I won't say a lot, but there are a couple, more than a couple. But there's like a bunch of figures that the file card says one thing. When you look at the figure, it's like, nah, that can't be that guy. No. Like as if when they imagined the character, they had something else in mind. Then the cartoon came along and they were like, okay, let's simplify. Or maybe vice versa. You know what Give I mean? Give us an example, man. Please, let's play this game. Uh, characters like uh, uh, Bazooka. That one always <laughs> popped up. Soft he target. Didn't like he didn't seem like an idiot. You know what I mean? And then you read the you, – you watch him in the cartoon and there's a different character. You see the file card. It's like a different character. You see the figure. He kind of looks in between. He doesn't look – hardcore and smart and like quick thinking he just looks kind of blah as character wise you know what i mean like he could go yeah. either way try to think of some other ones because i don't have these spearhead ones. is a dead ringer for me in that regard as well mm -hmm. uh spearhead uh, as in spearhead and max because when huh? you read spearhead's file card it's all about how uh he's what is he he's like a traveling salesman or whatever and he's sort of jaded <laughs> with things but, um, okay, aside from the or serious orange uh, camo and whatever, uh, he's pretty hardcore. I mean, he's not, you know what I mean? He, he, it, it doesn't seem like the kind of guy that had that job and then decided to go into the military, if you know what I mean. Like, yeah. Points to Paul for the obscure pick. 
But I guess we've got a place for every single G.I. Joe. I mean, some people are fans of the Battle Force 2000. <laughs> I was going to bring them up. I was going to say, strangely enough, you guys mentioned a lot of this during your Battle Force 2000 uh, talk. Yep, it's a crazy, crazy world, and there are all kinds of people making it up. But uh, we all love this thing, man. We've all it's, yeah. we we share it. It's it's in us. To get back to Bazooka, uh, we were doing a rewatch of uh, old cartoon apps. We we did the Master Vice. We did a commentary on that, and uh -huh. the DVD collection has a bunch of Ron Friedman retrospectives, and uh -huh. his style of making sense of all these characters was to try and almost write a family sitcom. Like, you've got the weird, really eccentric uncle. I guess that's gung yeah. ho. Like, yeah. <laughs> you know, you've got the, the dashing, like, father figure. That's Duke. Uh, I guess when it came to Bazooka, Ron's way of making sense of how this guy fits in was he's like the dimwit. He's, he, every family's got one, you know. you got... Whether it's your aunt who's just a few. <laughs> well, yeah. Okay. So, I mean, the point is, like, this is just a, a sort of, I suppose, a, a writer's shorthand to try and understand yeah. who these people are. And the similar story with making Torpedo extremely gregarious and friendly <laughs> and, like, easygoing. Hey! And, you know, the island boy, he's just, like, <laughs> the cool cousin who likes to surf and, you know, gets along with everybody. Yeah. But... Which is a complete 180 from his file card. You know, we can't say it enough. Exactly. Mm. exactly. Yeah. And then the irony there being that you would think that, oh, okay, cool, Torpedo and Deep Six, you know, they, they like both underwater specialists, they should hang out together. Uh, no. <laughs> <laughs> There's two people that shouldn't be together. Because um, <laughs> they're volatile. You know, they've got volatile personalities. Allow me to put this train back on the tracks, gentlemen. Vintage, modern era. Uh -huh. My opening remark, I guess, I mean, this is going to be a subjective discussion anyways. No one's trying to sway anyone's opinion either way. I suppose we're just trying to discuss our viewpoints and maybe the listeners out there, our friends, our, you know, our, our followers um, would find themselves somewhere on this scale. But for me, I don't think I ever stopped collecting since my very first G.I. Joe not a year has gone by when I didn't try and find Joes. I mean, it, there was the drought from 94, uh, but then I just started hitting flea markets and going to old dusty toy shops. And, and, you know, my search intensified because for a while there was treasure to be had. A lot of back stock of old Joes. I mean, typically anything that didn't sell well in the States <laughs> was then polluting the European markets. And anything that didn't sell well in Europe and, and the United Kingdom wound up here. So we were getting Joes well into 96, 97. And then things started drying up. But then two years later, hey, the miracle that is eBay arrived. And I remember my first Joe on eBay was Lady J. I didn't have a Lady J. And all of a sudden, bam, I had a female protagonist and all was well in the world. I gave her an Uzi and a 45, and she was badass. Because no one wants that stupid spear gun on the fucking camera. Whatever. <laughs> like, garbage accessories. I'm sorry. Um, so, yeah, she was she was too rad. Jumping out of helicopters and saving the day. Uh, and that yeah. just, from then, I mean, it galvanized my love for the O-ring construction. 
sure, I, I flirted with the modern era quite a bit. 25th anniversary was something that was, I mean, it had to happen. The, the, the yeah. new sculpt era came and went, and that didn't sway me off of the original O-Ring style, guys. I was like, okay, I'll buy a few of these T-Crotch fellas, but I certainly hope G.I. Joe doesn't go this way. Mercifully, it didn't. What about the, the, I'm sorry, sorry to cut you off. What about the, um, the Sigma new, six. Uh, the, no, 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 not Sigma Six. Like I wasn't a new big fan, era. but new sculpt era stuff that had the O-ring construction. Cause you know, they did eventually kind of switch. They, like, they the were useful. Had... They were useful for a time because all of a sudden we had Joes and Cobras that had zero problems accepting, uh, any kind of weaponry. Uh-huh. So mm-hmm. the really gummy large hands yeah. were a revolution for me because I was I suppose I was still young enough to have really involved GI Joe sort of games. Me and my two yeah. friends we were kind of young teens and um, you know while no one was watching we would get our Joes out and uh, have some pretty pretty involved plot lines as involved <laughs> as one could get as a young teen. I mean it's not kid stuff and it's. Yeah inspired by what you're seeing in films and stuff i mean there was a huge kind of we basically aped the matrix big time for, for a while and the, <laughs> the new sculpt joes were were very instrumental in that i remember my yeah. friend he had like a a quad bike from the chap may toy line which he then uh-huh. used blue tack in this country we call it prestic and it's not blue it's gray whatever and he just stuck like every weapon that he had a, a a strong uh, affinity for he just stuck it to this this quad bike so that he had like you know just like in the matrix he could just like pick up a gun off his his personal vehicle you know shoot it dry toss it aside pick another one up ratatatatat goes for the shotgun rocket launcher wow. um you know throw some hand grenades and he used a uh i think it was a 2003 beachhead with a blowtorch head. That was a sort of wow. lazy boy custom, given this um, <laughs> blonde, blonde, uh, shaven head, beachhead style character. Yeah. Mm. Oh. And he was called Echo Pliskin. <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> I mean, wow. where do we pull these yeah. names out of? So yeah, the, 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 it had its time in the sun, but like pretty soon the the body proportions started bugging me and they, they kind of looked weird next to the traditional O-ringers, the vintage ones at least. And yeah. not to mention the fact that every once in every while, it mixed into the new sculpt era stuff, there were vintage style figures that had yeah, yeah, be- the more forgiving plastic. And those guys mm-hmm. I gravitated towards immediately. Those, those were like the best Joes ever because, you know, you yeah. can put anything in their hands and... They meshed well with the vintage guys and the vehicles. Yeah. Their thumb stayed. Yeah. I feel like I've done a little retrospective on my collecting habits. (laughs) But I I certainly picked up a lot of the modern era stuff. But I capped that off because I was like, I have priorities. And in all my years of collecting, I still do not have a complete vintage collection. I mean, it is a challenge when you are at the southernmost tip of Africa. I, I, I don't want to harp, the, harp on the issue, but like every single Joe that is shipped here, you're paying for twice, essentially. Yeah. So it kind of puts a break on when you can binge, how much you can binge on. And in that regard, this podcast has been huge for the members of G.I. Joburg because it's opened its doors to 
a lot of generosity, folks overseas who have given us huge helping hands in filling yeah. holes, in getting really, really cool stuff. I am so excited about um, a very, very recent, I don't even call it recent, forthcoming arrival because the collection slip hasn't mm. arrived yet, but it's it's in the country. It's in my nearby post box, uh, post office. But um, G.I. Joe is getting a very, very spectacular item in the mail shortly. <laughs> but I feel like I've had... <laughs> this is why I'm telling you you should do a video about um, why you collect and what what has kept you collecting for so long, specifically. Are we doing that now? Yeah, pretty much. I mean, <laughs> but that's why I mentioned it, you know, when we were talking earlier. Because my cause life would be pointless without this stuff. You know what? <laughs> I'm living in a town right now, working in a town, which I believe firmly um, makes people miserable. And that's because... That's my town. People in this town, this city, have prioritized the acquisition of wealth of uh-huh. you know of, of that they, they put their career over and above lifestyle mm-hmm. because this town was built for business johannesburg it yeah. it wouldn't have existed unless they found gold here yeah yeah and that just set the precedent for a society that structures itself around material gain Boy, oh boy, am I glad I have something else getting me out of bed in the morning. It's, <laughs> it's material loss. <laughs> material yeah. loss on these delightful playthings that, like, they're so steeped in nostalgia. I can't pick up a Joe and not be transported to the first time I ever played with this guy. Like, in my hands yeah. right now, I have Talking Battle Commander's Hawk. And, boy, he's <laughs> a doozy. I remember yeah. when my best friend got this guy, and we all sort of, like... Ooh, he's the general. Shit, he's the general. We, you know, like, <laughs> whoa, we got to protect this guy. He is, he is gold dust, <laughs> literally. I mean, he has this yeah. huge, hulking, like irremovable backpack made of gold. <laughs> That's that all guy I is so bling. That. He's so dope. He's so gangster. <laughs> Dude, I'll be like two seconds. I just want to just check on it. Sound I heard. Oh, poor. That's another problem with Johannesburg. It makes people paranoid because why? There are folks out there just wanting to break into your house and steal your shit. Yeah, Kenya is the same way. My 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 sister's always talking about that, and uh, they've had uh, bikes stolen, they've had TV stolen right out of the house, all kinds of stuff. So. Yeah, man. Yeah. Africa, baby. It's there's desperation (laughs) everywhere, man. It's yeah. That's how how it is, unfortunately. Honestly, over here, we have <laughs> thugs who don't understand how to use guns. So um, at night, <laughs> we hear, you know, semi-automatic fire. Oh, I won't geez. say regularly, but fairly regularly, like kind of in the distance. But, you know, it's never followed by any uh, sirens or anything because nobody gets hit because they don't know <laughs> what they're doing. Um, and I used to I used to work at uh, some uh, crisis shelters. Uh, especially ones that were aimed towards youth. And I think only one time did we ever have a kid show up after someone was effectively shot. I mean, it's still bad, but, you know, at least it it, it wasn't worse. Um, but typically in this city, it seems like people love to shoot, but they don't understand how to hit things, you know? So I guess well, that's a good... It's a blessing, you know, yeah. Jeez. Exactly, that's a good thing. 
But uh, yeah, I I don't know. For me, with with the Joes, I was really into the uh, the vintage ones at the time. But I never had many Joes. We couldn't find them. Like we'd find vehicles, but they were always like my mom would be like, "No, nah, save that for your birthday. Mm-hmm. You know, get it for your birthday because it's more expensive." Or at least the ones I wanted. The only vehicle I remember having as a kid was the Night Force. Uh, was it called the Night Striker? It was the Night Force Killer Whale. Oh, um, beautiful! Yeah, yeah. Love that thing, man. It was awesome. And that was the only vehicle I had, but it was enough because I didn't have a ton of Joes. So we could just do all kinds of craziness with it, you know. Hmm. Um, but uh, I could never find enough Joes to really have a collection. But I did have a friend growing up who had everything. Like his dad was like super awesome in that regard where he just they had the catalog. They had the uh, the checklists and literally had everything, all the mail away figures, the the flag, everything he had Whoa. It. So I his house and play with all his stuff. And it was cool, you know, for a while. And this is was this was from like kindergarten. But I don't to follow, like, man. Like you say, you couldn't find it. Where was that kid shopping? Or did he have parents that were like, you know, out of town all the time and hitting the big centers that you couldn't, you couldn't miss? Possibly. I think between him and the mom and the dad, it was kind of like that because they weren't home a lot. We were always home with his older sister. She watched us and we would just be playing. And it was like, you know, that seemed to be the routine. So maybe it was one of those things. They travel a lot. So they would go places, find stuff, bring it back. And, you know, that was, oh. you know, their their way. But <laughs> Not uh, just any stuff either. The flag yeah, for crying out loud. Like the flag. She I couldn't was... believe that. When he got the flag, I was like, are you serious? Because he told me when we were, God, we were in kinder, no, first grade. And uh, he told me, no, we were in, yeah, we were in first grade. And he told me about it. And I'm like, are you serious? The flag? Like the whole thing? Yep. <laughs> he showed me and we both just stared at it. We didn't even play with it that first day. We just looked at it like, wow. Because the thing was huge. We were little guys too. So it was huge. <laughs> We couldn't I really can't do even it. begin to imagine the impact that a toy like that would have on a child at the time. Exactly. My knowledge exactly. of G.I. Joe extended to not even the cartoons, a few scrappy samplings of the, the American, real American hero comic book, the Marvel one, oh. and a 1990 and 1991 European catalog. Now, the European <laughs> catalogs didn't even have the complete waves. They had a sort of a, no. you know, a mishmash of, of various different waves. They had a lot of the 1988 American releases, and then mixed in with 89 stuff, and then some 1990 stuff like the Sky Patrol. And yeah. just those two documents alone were enough to captivate me. I used to just pour yeah. over them on the back seat of the car for hours <laughs> and hours, just Wait, fantasizing no. about these vehicles. Like, wow, they actually made that... That looks so cool. I would fawn over the Tiger Fly, which is the Tiger Force repaints of the Dragonfly, and immediately I was like, "But that looks like a model kit. That looks so real. I can't believe yeah. that. Like, that just blows everything else out of the water. I mean, this stuff is amazing. Yeah, like it was. Flash forward a couple of years. Imagine my surprise when I realized the Tomahawk wasn't just something they made up for the comic book. It actually yeah. exists. There is a toy <laughs> of it. <laughs> Steven, get this toy yeah. now. <laughs> like, that was waste no cool time. Things. Hit buy. For us, what was my own worked on the Intrepid. And, uh, oh, brilliant. So we got to see a lot of the real-world versions of these things. And I saw them before I was able to get wow. Joe's, you know, the G.I. Joe stuff. So, you know, we'd see air shows and stuff. And then we'd be like, man, you know, we want 
the planes the Blue Angels are flying in, or we'd see, you know, the the Chinook helicopter um, like demos that they would do, showing how it can land backwards and take off backwards and blah 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 and all the craziness. And so we always wanted that stuff. I mean, I didn't ever get a Chinook until like five or six years ago because the closest thing to the Chinook was the the uh, Tomahawk. And those before the what 50th anniversary, those were pretty expensive, you know, if you're buying the vintage ones. But um, yeah, they were very pricey. I remember. Yeah. I think I recall paying like eighty dollars for mine back in two thousand and four. That seemed like a lot of money <laughs> to me. Yeah, in comparison, no. Right now, as and you had that shipped to you, or did you buy it in in? Uh, I had it shipped to me. No, eighty eighty bucks covered the toy, not the shipping. <laughs> but that was oh. quite a shipment. I mean. I bought the tomahawk for myself, and I bought the killer whale for Rob, our oh, third cool. South African member. And uh-huh. that was that was quite a quite a time to be alive, man. After I having just imagine. learned of these these toys' existence, to then uh-huh. have bought them and had them shipped out to me, oh, it was a good day. The very next uh-huh. shipment to arrive was a Night Raven and a Sky Striker. I mean, jeez, <laughs> oh. <laughs> my my GI Joe, um, I suppose Renaissance came pretty late, but it was great. Gee yeah. was With me, I started back in the day. I had like a handful of Joes. The first Joe I got was Rock and Roll. I want to say the second one I got was Fast Draw. Um, wow. I think that's. Yeah, faster. It was a long time in between two. I got um one, either Storm Shadow or Snake Eyes at some point, and uh, they broke quickly because we played with them way too much. And then um, it was a long time before I got anything else. Then next, I got uh, Rock and Roll and uh, Zorana and the oh season. What was that season? Not season two, but the Deke. Uh, Cobra Commander with the you know the armored suit and all that. Sure. Um, oh, Battle Armor Cobra Commander, yeah. Yeah, and then I got uh, later on I got a Nemesis Enforcer figure. I remember getting Slaughter's Marauders at some point, but I didn't have Sergeant Slaughter. Then uh, Taurus broke, and then I got Sergeant Slaughter. But uh, I never had them all at the same time, so I would try to get them, try to get them, try to get them, and then I got kind of frustrated because our Toys R Us just it never seemed like they had them when I could go. Then I started collecting the 12-inch figures, and the 12-inch figures were cool because then I could make the characters I didn't have. So I made so many Real American Hero characters, and it was so much easier because if you collect, you know, the 12-inch figures, some of them will come with stuff that – the Hasbro one. Some of them will come with stuff that you might not want for that character that you want to make. So you just end Mm. up with this extra, you know, costumery that you can use – you know, with other characters, you know, so um, I kept doing that for a while. And so like all through the 90s, like I wasn't big on Ninja Force. I know you love Ninja Force. <laughs> I like I liked them in the comics because uh, Storm Shadow was awesome. And I got the remember the uh, what was that? The 10th anniversary or no Hall of Fame. That's what they were called. Yeah. The Hall of 12 inch figures. I got Snake Eyes, Storm Shadow and Major Blood. I have that Snake Eyes. <laughs> yeah, with the big metal. The I think they did two of them, but one of them had a ballistic face mask on, um, and he had like a chopping act- action. It was weird. It was like, oh, okay, but he looked cool, so we were like, yeah, let's get him. So the 12-inch <laughs> guys weren't spared the uh, real My one karate was. moves. No, not at all. My one was because he came with some kind of missile launcher thing that was like, that was his feature, you know? Mm. Yeah, you're talking I, about the other Yeah. I remember knot. being upset because I went back to go and get Stalker and he wasn't there. 
<laughs> at game, Steve. At game. That's where I found him. At game. Wonderful. Randomly. To add a bit of context to perhaps the inexplicable G.I. Joburg love for the Ninja Force, we were the right age for that stuff to really hit. We were kids in 92 and 93. I mean, like young kids. I was eight, seven and eight. So it, it just goes to show that that stuff worked. Hasbro's marketing team knew what the expected target market wanted at that time. I mean, we were the we were the kids that that just gobbled that that shit up because you know, course. like anyone who had been around in the early days of GI Joe knew better, but they were in a rapidly shrinking minority. We wanted Ninja Turtles, we wanted neon colors, we wanted guys that could chop bricks in half. <laughs> According to the commercial, I don't know. I I, I can't say I ever had success with my my Ninja Force slice, but anyway, <laughs> I had Ninja Turtles though. Me and my best friend, that was what we were collecting. Oh, so we nice. were collecting Ninja Turtles and uh the Batman, the Kenner Batman figures from the movies. So oh, we weren't we, we weren't looking at GI Joe like we used to, like the Batmobile from that. I remember having the uh, I had the Bat Ski Boat, and that just like to me was so awesome because it was in the movie. You know what I mean? So like. In comparison to what you were seeing with the Joes, a lot of the toys didn't match everything that was on the cartoon at the time. And I didn't get into the comics until I was an adult. So, um, well, not really. I had like two or three issues, maybe a little bit more from like the tail end of the Marvel run mm. when like Ninja Force was showing up. When uh, uh, I think I had the issue when Cobra Commander, Sna Snake Eyes and uh, Destro, they're like taking off their masks on the cover. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember that. I, Though that sure must have been it. a back issue because that is quite a vintage one, if I'm not mistaken. Okay. Yeah. It's in the yeah. 50s. In the hey, 50s, yeah. But two South Africans and a Yank, and we are all three of us quite deprived when it comes to early G.I. <laughs> Joe toys and stuff. Oh, yeah. Oh, oh yeah. yeah. It was just, in, I know for me, I didn't know, I didn't really know outside of the toys and the cartoon that there were comics. And, you know, I didn't even know the full breadth of you know, G.I. Joe stuff other than what my friend who seemed to have everything, what he had when uh, I stopped with the 12 inch figures. It wasn't until Rise of Cobra and Resolute that I even started paying attention to Joe's. I, I met my my, <laughs> my now and her um, son, who is now my stepson, and mm -hmm. he had a box of just beat up G.I. Joe's. But he had a couple that weren't in bad shape, like the twins and uh, Spirit and, whatnot, and like. I'm like, dude, do you realize what you have? He didn't have any idea at all. His dad just gave him to him. So I was like, let me, let's get into this so I can teach him more about G.I. Joe. And let me, let me take these off of your hands, young man. Come here, son. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, the cool thing was, I, I definitely, like, we played together, you know, because he didn't, he never really played with this stuff. Apparently, like, the way his dad was, he just had the toys, but he never showed him what you would do with them. So, he just chewed on him. You know, he was about four or five when right. I met when I met him. So I was like, dude, this these weapons go to these guys. You know, these are ninjas. Make them do cool stuff. You know, make <laughs> let's make them go on missions and stuff. You know, and I started uh, hunting down older figures wherever we could find them. And then all of a sudden, Resolute, I think Resolute came first, right? Um, <laughs> the the weird. Remember there was that weird trailer where I think Duke and uh, Roadblock were like in the jungle fighting Cobra Troopers. And then 
all of a sudden they're pinned down and they're like, we're sending the ninja. And they're like, we have a ninja. <laughs> and, um, you know, Snake Eyes comes in and dispatches the bad guys. And I was like, wow. And I didn't even know that a toy line was coming based on those. And then all of a sudden there's the toy line, you know, mixed in with the 25th anniversary. And from that point, you know, it was a wrap. Rise of Cobra showed up. It was a wrap because the vehicles were insane. The There were a lot of good, you know, figures, even if you don't like the movie, which I didn't really like the movie. It just it's like the idea was some of the ideas were there with them, you know, globe hopping and whatnot, globe trotting, whatever. But the um, the spirit was missing. You know, it didn't really feel like G.I. Joe. Oh, you know, but, but uh <laughs> Uh, it's just how it's like a sore spot for like all of us that really enjoyed G.I. Joe growing up. It's like when I tell people I love G.I. Joe, that's immediately what they think of, that stupid movie. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. We are cursed to endure that that stamp <laughs> of mediocrity. But, you know, it's in a uh-huh. sentence, can you pitch me, and this is, this is an exercise in um, restraints, I guess, in, in one sentence, can you pitch me a winning formula for a G.I. Joe movie. Oh, wow. OG what is your 13? priority? Numero uno priority. Bam. OG 13. OG 13. That's it. That's Sweet. it. Start at the, be- start at the beginning. Um, I did a I did a video where I tried to lay it out. You know, they should have. And I mentioned it in the uh, what I would have done if I ran G.I. Joe, the brand. Um, you would have done movie- a lot. I listened to that. Oh, that yeah. episode is filled with amazing ideas. Ambitious ones, too. I mean... Oh, budget, budget, budget. <laughs> yeah, it's true. It's very true. But I think some of the stuff could be done given the budget that they have or that right. they've had. You know, mm-hmm. some of it. Could be done. And then, like, you know, from the return that you would get from doing some of that stuff, you could expand. But, like, with the movie, start at the beginning, start off with, you know, a, a smaller group, start off with some kind of conflict that explains why you need to build this special, you know, team to deal with this threat posed by whoever the proto-Cobra would be, you know, and then kind of transition into that first issue, you know, as, as a film. And it, I'm telling you, it would, it would sell. It's not going to be super expensive because the costumes don't have to be <laughs> insane, you know, crazy. they just got to be basic. And it needs to take place in that time period. I don't know why so many of these directors and writers are so afraid to just write the story in the time period that it's supposed to represent. It's like they can't get past the fact that the Joes are kind of a Cold War era, the original Joes are a Cold War era, like, relic some, somewhat, and you should be building from that, you know? Because there's conflict. It's it's not like we don't have a, sh- we, we have a shortage of conflict. It's We still have issues that, you know, you can use them for. But, uh, yeah, it's just strange to me, like, I would have it in the 80s, you know, 80s music, have a synthwave style, uh, orchestral synthwave style score. Um, you know, it just it would fit. I think it would work. And then each subsequent film would be closer and closer to the modern age. And then, you know, when you get to your pursuit of Cobra, if that's what you want to do, you're in the modern age, near future tech. The designs look all Call of Duty ish or if that's what you want or. Uh, Tom Clancy-ish, if that's what you want, and you know it's modern. So now you can go nuts with all the tech and all the effects and the blah 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 and the this and the that and the nanotech and the. I don't understand why they they haven't done it. It's like they overthink the smallest details, you know. I think this yeah. sentiment is rising though. You were, you are a man after my own heart. I couldn't have put it better. 
I have a love for not only the the toys and the characters, but the era that they were set in. It was such a a product of its time. And you're absolutely right. Setting in the Cold War adds intrigue, adds a kind of veneer of like retro cool. Uh, you know, everything is just so much more fun in another era. You can kind of play yeah. with it. You can m- move in and out of actual historical events. So history exactly. buffs, you know, get their 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 Easter eggs. Um, you know, one of the most fun examples I can think of was that little glimmer of hope in the X-Men franchise called First Class, situating oh, the mutants right in the middle of the Cuban Missile Crisis, you know, a standoff between the Soviet Navy and the American Navy, and, and right in the middle you've got a small group of super-powered mutant individuals, like, basically on the cusp of World War Three. That's uh-huh. exciting. If you do something similar with G.I. Joe and their conflict with Cobra... It's the sort of epicenter of a huge struggle between the superpowers. Oh, man, the stakes are awesome. You yeah. can build it around real-world events. It is just... Hopefully there are enough of us out there who find favor with this kind of idea that it eventually finds its way into some producer's ear hole. Exactly. Yeah, well, the thing is as well, I mean, if you want a proof of concept, you don't have to look much further than The Phantom Pain, the most recent Metal Gear. Yeah. Uh, because that is set in the 80s, and it plays like a Saturday morning cartoon. You know, they're using a lot of sophisticated technology for their t- for their era, but even by some standards, it's sophisticated for our era. Uh, it, and it's got all of those little things uh, put together in it. I mean, the 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 game itself plays like a TV series. So, and and I I, I you know I can immediately relate to that. By the same token, why why I I bemoan not getting. Power Man and Iron Fist, Heroes for Hire, set in the 70s, late 70s, yeah. early 80s. I mean, yeah. come on. Power Man with a tiara and a big collar. <laughs> like, what? What? what Missed opportunity. So much more colorful than, than what they did with Luke Cage. Which, yeah. Man, that was know, a whole nother right there. Oh, my God. You um, wanna, I suppose you want to build it into, what is it, the Defenders? The Defenders. Yeah integrate them into Doctor Strange's world? It shouldn't have even been, because they're not going to be in Doctor Strange's world. They're just going to be, you know, kind of street-level super team that, you know, kind of resembles the, to them, it, it resembles the Defenders, but in reality, it resembles the Heroes for Hire. That's what it should yeah. have been. But instead, yeah. I don't know why, because the Defenders have nothing to do with what we're, what they're building towards. They're completely different it's like a batshit insane, you know, if you guys come together, the the universe or the world will end. And then it's like, you know, around you find out if they come together, you'll allow this thing to happen that will destroy the universe. It's like it's nuts when you go back and read those old Defenders books, you know, and it's remembered as the team that did not work. Like that's how uh, Iceman constantly, you know, remembers or reminisces about the team. You know, remember that time we were on that team that didn't work? <laughs> he doesn't even name it sometimes. You know, they just dropped the concept that it did not work because it was so disastrous. Yeah, yeah I don't know. I, I'll That's the TV show I want to see. <laughs> the team that did not work. And I'm not talking about the Fantastic Four. Thank you very much. <laughs> wow, how, how they've screwed that up. My goodness. Oh. For a time, Victor Von Doom was the uber villain of the marvel universe he was the numero uno bad dude everyone's most challenging test 
was to come up against Doctor Doom. That's true. That's true. Why do they keep cocking him up? <laughs> yeah, they make him very um. I don't want to say the word beatable, but yeah, he is kind of like they've they've kind he of made it that sucks. They they never yeah. nail his backstory, his concept, his look sucks. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they're afraid because he's so OP. It's ridiculous. I mean, he uses science and magic. He's always delving into something to make him more powerful. Yeah, it's weird. But I think the biggest issue they have with their with that franchise and some of those other ones is that they're afraid of period. I mean, he's very much a 60s soup mod supervillain. You know what I mean? Like yeah. he's like a James Bond villain on steroids. You know what I mean? Like Yeah, but with an element of like 16th century Europe, I mean, he's wearing yeah, yeah. that extremely iconic armor yeah, with the, you know the the bolts and the, the eye slits. I mean, it's supposed to be super sophisticated, and yet he goes with this very, like, rustic aesthetic, which looks... Uh-huh. I mean, that is Doctor Doom. You can't mess with that. Otherwise, it just yeah. isn't Doctor Doom. You want these scarred, like, putrefied, disgusting eyes clearly <laughs> visible inside this, you know, set into this extremely heavy-looking, formidable mask. With yeah, the mouth, that, that mouthpiece with that sort of square or rectangular design, like robotic teeth. I mean, oh, come on. Just get it right once. Just fucking once. That's, the thing is with the... Doctor Strange, I mean with Doctor Strange, with Doctor Doom, and uh-huh. it relates to Doctor Strange, is that when you watch the Doctor Strange movie, you know, he's ultimately defeated by his hubris and and sort of rebuilds himself. But he doesn't really lose that ego, but it's just that he channels a lot of that towards doing good things. I mean, he was a doctor, you know, and he, and he wanted to ultimately do the right thing. There's no sort of like revenge or, or darkness in his heart. But the Doctor Doom story that I would buy is here is this guy who actually does want to do a lot of great things, but his ego gets in the way. And, and, and that's ultimately what makes him the villain he is because he kind of like goes, he puts his toes in the water of being bad and then he kind of goes off fucking and just jumps in, you know? <laughs> Um, that's how I've always found him to be because he, he does do some crazy stuff. I mean, in the comics, he, you know, he makes deals with Mephisto and he makes deals with Dormammu and all of them. And sometimes those deals are not because he wants to take over the world. They just like, cause he's trying to, uh, save the soul of his mother, you know, or something yeah. like that. So he's like, he's ultimately, he's actually, he, he's like a good person, but he just can't get past himself, you know, and, and that makes him, I think that makes him a very challenging character to write on screen as as just a villain, you know? If they pick the right story, and it's the same thing we're talking about with G.I. Joe as a film, there's so much history, there's so much groundwork that's already been laid. Instead of some Hollywood writer jumping in saying, I can do a better story than what all this history of G.I. Joe has laid before him. Yeah, it's like, I watched G.I. Joe once, I got this. Yeah, like... <laughs> Why, how, what makes him better than Larry Hama or better than the collective of writers that have written all this, you know, the, the 155 issues of the original Marvel run? What makes yeah, exactly. that guy better? You know what I mean? Like, you need to respect what came beforehand and, you know, pay tribute to that instead of coming up with some weird, like, every single movie felt like an episode of the cartoon, just like... You know, some guy just went nuts with it. You know what I mean? In a bad yeah. way, not in a good way. And it's like you could have just taken 
uh, an arc from the comics, an early arc, and then, you know, an, another arc from later on. And you have your episode one and your episode two, and it's simple. But I don't know. It's just they don't respect the source material enough, you know? I mean, at least with Marvel, we're seeing that they respect the source material enough to build on that for their cinematic versions. And G.I. Joe needs yeah. the same thing. I think the toy line kind of is starting to fall into that, too, where it's like they're listening to the fan base and they're not providing the fan base with the product. You know, like before, yeah. to provide us with the product, and then the fan base would be like, oh, my God, this is awesome. Now it's like, hey, guys, what should we make? And you got all these guys who have no fucking clue. They just want to buy shit. And they're like, yep. you know, make this. Yeah, make this. Yeah, make this. And then they're like, okay, they want boring G.I. Joes. They want hit and run that's gray, all gray. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yep. Like, they want, you know, bazooka in blue. What? Why? What? He's not a, I don't understand he's... that. Yeah. <laughs> Smurf Patrol. Exactly. Yeah. You know what I mean? And everyone buys it. So, like, people don't understand how criticism works both ways. If you criticize the folks that you love, that give you something that you love when they go off the rails, then they understand that they went off the rails. If you exactly. never actually say anything to them to let them know that they went off the rails, then you're going to keep getting shit from them. But, you know, we get these fans that they criticize, but then they keep buying. So it's yeah. like um, at some point you got to take responsibility for the fact that you have shaped the problems that we're facing with these lines. You know, if you see them as problems, you know, the things you don't like, you've kind of, you know, it's like a self-fulfilling prophecy. You just, um, you know, or what is it? Cycle of violence. <laughs> you just yeah, we've all got this sickness in us uh, that compels us to buy anything with the the beautiful, bold G.I. Joe lettering stitched across the top. You know, Not I, 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 I shudder to think that if I saw the Smurf Patrol in the flesh, I might think to myself, well, well, no. that's a kind of cool firefly. And the other guys, uh, put them on a boat, exactly. maybe? I'll put them on a fucking, I don't know, a G.I. Joe repurposed moray. Right, yeah, yeah, that blue one, and then they did the the swirly camo one, which oh, sadly oh, I gotta, own. <laughs> the night you just put them inside a barracuda, man. Yeah, and I'll <laughs> never see the light of day. But, but you see, that's the thing. Like on that same train of thought, they went and put two blue figures with a really amazing firefly. Yeah, you know, poor. you're the like, worst. Uh, I was kidding, yeah. but you're actually finding a justification for scooping up that piece of garbage three-pack. <laughs> no, Ladies no, no, and no, gentlemen no, no. of the Let audience, please saying, vote dude. with your dollars. If you do not think something is good, do not support it. Exactly. That's what again, I want to maybe say. Maybe then Hasbro will yank the chain on G.I. Joe altogether because they'll be like, mm, whatever we do, it's not making the kind of money it made for us in the 80s when we all built our mansions. So forget that. No. Let's make more Mr. Potato Head. No, dude, that's what I'm trying to say. Like, Hasbro is putting this really amazing Firefly with a blue bazooka and a blue... I don't know if it's Dusty or Hit and Run, because I actually honestly don't care. You want to tell me that Hasbro, like, is not smoking crack? You know, because... (laughs) No, bro, they're smoking way more expensive stuff than crack. Shit. They must be fucking high, man, because I don't know how, in their collective sort of marketing mentality, they think... That that's going to work. The only thing that makes sense to me is that the blue color scheme is a mistake and they had to solve that problem. And then they put those two blue figures in 
with Firefly. It's the only thing I can think of because it's the only thing that makes sense. And like you said, you know, we do like, and I always say you vote with your money. You know, you don't, if you don't buy it, then they do realize something is wrong. And I also, I have not bought it. I haven't bought it on principle. I'm on eBay looking for the Firefly, but I'm not yeah. going to buy that three pack on principle. And it's been in front of me for a fairly decent price a few times. Oh yeah. So, they're all on clearance now. <laughs> like all oh, that stuff man. on clearance Toys R Us. It's weird, you know, because it just feels like there are a lot of figures that could have uh, they could have filled that slot with that they didn't already do. You know, figures yeah. from the infamous concept case that they could have put oh, in that job. It, a lot of collect collectors happy. You know, um, well, who did they miss? Rock and roll a, version oh, two. Yeah, it was a rock and roll, a new rock and roll. It was pretty much Dusty's the Pursuit of Cobra Dusty without all his gear and then they kind of tweaked the uh the vest a little bit and uh he had camo pants the armored upper body and the cap like the version two from the vintage let's see who else there was a really cool uh clutch there was uh there's still this is actually from retaliation mm -hmm. um do you remember those red ninjas with the zipline stuff like not the ones that they released but the ones in the actual film Yes, I know. What you do. Yeah, those ones, those were cool. Somehow they never released them. I have pictures of them and everything. I've put them up in one of my videos. They just forgot that that shit existed, you know? Um, City Strike Scarlet. <laughs> yeah, City Strike Scarlet. A lot of people want that figure, and it's like something they're just never going to do. Maybe they will. Who knows? But it feels like something they won't do. Or uh, let me see. They had all those uh, Dreadnought Troopers, remember, with the hockey masks and the weird armor and stuff? They looked like yeah. Mad Max characters and stuff. They had uh, different versions of the uh, Joe Troopers that were kind of mixed with the Steel Brigade aesthetic. Yeah, there were a bunch of figures, man, like that actually would have been, you know, a change. I mean, when you look hard enough. I think it was a Target as well, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, they did. There were enough figures in that concept case that they could have given us, you know, any couple of those guys instead of repainting or re molding you know those characters in colors that don't even make sense from a strategic point of view you know and i know like a lot of collectors like to you know fashion show up their joes and have them match the vehicle and all that shit and i'm kind of like you know i don't guys i don't get down with that stuff sometimes i'm like i get it you know but if you think about it like when you look at the original uh hydrofoil the uh what was the name of the driver? Was he an eel or was he a uh, more lamprey? A lamprey. lamprey. There you go. The lamprey did not match the vehicle because he's the driver. You're supposed to know. He's supposed to stand out a little bit. Um, yeah. So some of the characters are supposed to look like they, you know, they do the function, but they're not supposed to look like, you know, I, I coordinated my costume today <laughs> with, yeah, my, exactly. with the vehicle I'm driving. Like, come on, guys. Like, that's not the way it's supposed to work, even with like the pilots, too, you know? You've got a white plane or a gray plane and the pilot's wearing olive green. You know, it's like the two things don't always have to coincide. But you hear that a lot in the collector circles, man. They, everything is color coordinated. And it's like, ah, come on. So now we have, <laughs> really? wow. we have, you know, blue bazooka and blue dusty to go with whatever other blue characters you feel like putting together your blue team. You know, I mean, it's cool. Don't get me They're toys. <laughs> so we're supposed to have fun, but... I still feel like it was a missed opportunity for other, you know, characters in the in the, the mythos to have been realized. And they just didn't 
father, you know. But um, well, I mean, another mystery I still can't solve as well with Hasbro is that okay, so they've got figure subscription service. The figure subscription service is like, four, I think it's it's three times the price of the Matty uh, figure subscription service, and mm-hmm. GI Joes are smaller toys. Okay, so they're essentially charging us the same price. Actually, they're more, hey, because um, yeah. the Matty collector stuff I think is about fifty dollars, and uh, GI Joe figure subscription stuff is about sixty dollars, depending on the figure. So they're charging us more for less plastic, and a lot of the times it's retreading. It's not even like cool stuff like the stuff that was in that concept case. You know, if Hasbro yeah. put in their full collective sort of might into doing that properly and base and did the model the same way as the Maddie Collector model, it would be great. But they don't. They they have some archaic model for their subscription service. Nobody can afford it really. Um, I mean, it's like it's like three hundred dollars, and then you you. You still have to pay, I think, something every month or whatever. It's it's insane. It's just it's just dumb. It, a lot it's of okay. people are, and, are buying into it though. That's the thing, you know. It's yeah, like exactly. Earlier, you gotta vote with your wallet. If you don't agree, don't back them just so you can have the new shit, you know. Because a lot of people, it's about having the new shit. I mean, and don't mm-hmm. get me wrong. I want new stuff. I want cool new stuff. But what I'm seeing versus what they're asking for, it doesn't match up at all. You know. I like, agree. The, did you see the new stuff, the uh, Battle Force 2000 stuff they're doing? I'm like, wow. Oh, my word, dude. I mean, uh, <laughs> all I said to that as we, when, when I saw the pictures the first time, and Steve can, Steve will probably remember me saying this, is like the one thing the figure subscription service got right is that they still shit. <laughs> the Battle Force <laughs> 2000 is still crap. I mean, they, they nailed it. Yep. <laughs> Consistency there. That's some consistent shit. <laughs> Do you think they would try to redesign them in a way that would make them palatable? So whatever it was that was yeah. missed the first time, now you you put that in there. You know, you make them look better, make them more. Oh, but you, they, they they come with an extra gun each. <laughs> so not only do you get do you get the the laughable weapon that they came with originally, which um, at great expense they've managed to recreate the molds of, but you get uh-huh. you know an extra pack in. So. Like more accessories, yay! Yeah, and they all look the same. They seem to all have the same faces. I just don't. I don't get how a lot of what I see with the subscription service um, is just a lot of them retreading things that you always hear the fan base say they hated when Hasbro did it the first time. Because you know, like the subscription service, I want to say it's run mostly by a smaller group that gets permission. It's like partnered with Hasbro to have mm. them make the molds based on approved uh, tooling that they can use. They only have so much tooling that they're allowed to mix mm. and match to make the figures. But um, they keep on like, why do we have so many neon figures and so many, uh, you know, the weird bright colors that don't match and like, why, why are we still getting that when all you ever hear is the nineties were terrible. Neon, neon, neon. Well, the nineties are all we're left with. Come on. Like yeah, exactly. Android trooper version two. Oh, yeah. That was that was my bat, <laughs> but um, <laughs> I have been corrected on this before, and I'm not going to let it uh, plague us anymore. The Battle uh-huh. Force 2000 set, I believe, is the convention set, okay. it's distinct it's, from the yeah. figure subscription like, service. Cool. Yeah, but it's made so, by the same people. I think it's the same okay. group. Yeah, but yeah, you're uh, right. I've been wrapped on the knuckles. Thank you. That's Jamie why. Yeah, Geekery. somebody corrected us, but I was like, okay, so big deal because you're still giving Paul, the same asshole. Honey. That's that's JD by the way, and uh, you know I appreciate the correction because personally, 
I see them as I don't see them as distinct things. I see them as exclusive figures I will never own nor ever want to own because True. there's always something a little off about them. You know, yeah, it's I've... produced by a third party and power to them. I'd really like to be supportive of anyone who's able to scrap, you know, scrounge together the the dough, the 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 chutzpah, you know, the gumption to actually make figures and market them, fill holes in people's collections. Exactly. They always feel a little off, like you know, they're all kit bashed, and you know, you have customizers blaring in your ear that, oh, I could have done a better job, and you know, those parts are okay, but these parts are better, and I'm like, oh, yeah. oh, all I want is official products that is sort of mm. ab- above and beyond reproach. Like when mm-hmm. Hasbro puts something out, it's either monumentally shit or they get it right. Yeah. <laughs> like there's no gray area. It's like either Smurf Brigade or Resolute <laughs> City Strike Snake Eyes. Yeah, it's true. Or you end up being the the proud owner of three blow torches because he just happened to be a packing figure with Destro and or Leatherneck or whoever else you were getting in that line. Master. <laughs> <laughs> they fucked yeah. you, Paul. Yeah, they, three times. They so fucked me. But yeah, but the thing is is that the way what they're doing now just fucks you worse, yeah. <laughs> you know. It's a lot of fucking. Yeah. Thanks, Hasbro. <laughs> fucking me since I was four years old. <laughs> yeah, but at least they use lube then, you know. know. There was well, polo too. No, I back when I was four, I wanted it. <laughs> okay, this is horrific. We're gonna lose some listenership on that little passage of play. Gentlemen, I think I'm going to start wrapping this up because, hey man, life, I'd like to say I'm a night owl, but to be honest, I really enjoy my sleep. So any closing remarks? I know we've been pulling a lot of strings here. Let's try and draw the bag together, close it, throw it in the trash. Can you guys give us what, because I've done mine in the vid, in my video about what I would do with the Hasbro brand. What would you guys, some key things that you guys each would want to, or together, would want to see if you could influence or change the way things are being done? If you were in charge of the brand, what would you do? Key things, maybe four key things. Steven's spoken a lot, so I'm going to, I'll start. (laughs) (laughs) Go right ahead, Paul. I would first and foremost, I would implement a strategy that targets the adult collectors. Um, instead of trying to uh, drop the figures into into uh, toy stores because that doesn't seem to be working for Hasbro, uh, and I would I would refine the subscription service even going as far as to maybe make uh, an online Hasbro or Hasbro online store where you can buy GI Joe products from them directly, which would give me as a brand a lot more control on uh, as to what is released and will get, allow me to be more uh, sort of experimental and, and do cool stuff. And um, a good example at the moment is the DC Direct stuff. Even though DC Direct isn't making, doesn't always make the most stellar quality figures, the fact that Steven has a giant Batmo- Batwing in his house and I have a giant Bat- uh, Batmobile, uh, something I never thought I would have again, yeah, uh, is testament. So that's the first thing I would do. Uh, secondly, I would actually... Re-release. I mean, if we're going to go modern era, I would re-release all the modern era figures, and I would do them in the same respective years as they were done in. So, for example, I would release the original 
like kind of what the 25th anniversary was doing and then sort of stopped doing but i would start off with the original uh 13 uh so i'd start off with okay i know it's 82 but i'd go with 83 then i'd go 84 then i'd go 85 86 and do and release the, the waves like that like how they right. release those waves that would be awesome and, and and i would stagger the wave release it wouldn't just be like one wave okay here's the whole wave you know throw your wallets at us i would stagger the waves it would be like a portion of that wave in the beginning of the year a portion in the middle and the portion at the end with something cool like a vehicle or something to look forward to yeah those are the the three major things and then yes i would uh, if i could i would either get gi joe to be a netflix tv series uh not so that it can be gritty and full of sex and boobs and whatever but so <laughs> that it can so that it can have investors who are more uh concerned about the final product than they are about the bottom line uh, okay. which is the uh, the the feeling I get from Netflix. And and it would, yeah, I, I would build up its brand identity from that and do weird meta things like have adverts for the toys in the episodes and things like that, you know, just as like a, a throwback. Awesome. Um, but I mean, that this is just off the top of my mind. I'm I'm just being crazy right now. But yeah. uh, that's three things. I can't even think of a fourth thing that right now is... Uh, oh, I suppose maybe if I was running Hasbro right now and I was running the G.I. Joe division, I would probably create a um, a Twitter and a Facebook account and maybe update my Collectors Club website so that it doesn't look like it was made in the 90s. <laughs> Just a thought. <laughs> um, it helps. Yeah, because... Yeah, wow, that website's old, yo. <laughs> what about you, Steven? So, so you can get your rest. Oh, thank you, darling. <laughs> I, <laughs> I'm going to contradict my fellow South African right out of the gate and okay. get controversial on y'all and say Uh-oh. that if I was calling the shots, I would never re-release another character again. No more Dukes, no more Snake Eyes, no more Scarlet, no more Destro. I want... A 9 to 15 figure wave or series released every single year on the classic cards with painted artwork that made you feel like you felt when you first saw those beautiful cards on pegs. Make new characters with new specialties and compelling file cards that integrate into your G.I. Joe world because they carry the same lineage, parentage, as the old stuff. He says contradict, but I don't think it means what he thinks it means. Carry on. Oh, piss off. You want to see, you want to see every single old wave re-released again. Paul, they're no, not what doing I'd that like since the 25th is, anniversary. Modernized, modernized. I don't like, want any more... Yeah rehash I no want, i hear you but i want but what i'm getting at wave. is like he said if i had it now if i had the brand now so i'm i'm playing it on the fact that okay cool this is like it would be a complete like sort of excuse the term but like a whitewash of it you know like completely bleach and just do it again and then it would give us options for us to release new characters. But it would, of course, be amazing card art. It would ama- it'd still be the vintage packaging. It would, I don't it would want any that. more overlap, Paul. I don't want to be rebuying another Scarlet, another Duke, another Cobra Commander. I want new characters in the style 
of the old. I'm not saying go back to vintage O-ring style. No, keep the modern era style. These are fantastic figures with incredible detail, removable weapons, knives that sheath. I mean, all the design cues are spectacular. But I want to recapture that lightning in the bottle, that magic of within one wave having someone on on the ground as a you know a mortar soldier bam and then an astronaut bam and then a deep sea diver bam and then a guy who i don't know goes ballooning over the sahara i mean like whatever (laughs) just mix it up don't give me a wave of green dudes that look like they stepped out of call of duty i feel so (laughs) uninspired by like and i'm sure yeah, this is going to get your back up, but, you know, a bunch of, like, realistic, read, boring Green Army men. G.I. Joe had a place for that. But yeah. occupying occupying the peg next to Hit and Run was Astro Viper, okay? And Toxo Viper to his left. So, like, your play pattern was never limited by what jaded collectors constantly just gobble up your play pattern was only limited by your own imagination because you could have the astronauts and you could have the general and you could have the helicopter pilots so create new characters with good file cards spectacular card art and i will eat that and do it in limited runs i'm happy with 13 as few as nine new characters in a year that's how we used to get it back in the old days and we were better for it we treasured each and every one each new purchase each new toy was like unwrapping that wonka bar and finding the golden ticket man i agree yeah well and 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 the accessories better be there too the cool accessories of course yes because that's what made the idea cool once again, Green Army Man with like, he's got about 15 guns packed with him. But <laughs> I'm so uninspired by having an enormous arsenal. Just goes back in the pile of like black firearms. Oh, here's another shotgun, another assault rifle, another, uh, you know, spring-loaded bazooka. <laughs> okay, those guys go in the bin. But yeah, man, <laughs> make the accessories fit Ash- the characters. Exactly. Specialty. It's Make like, them unique. Mm-hmm. The, the accessories were every bit a selling point as the card arts and the figure yeah. and the character and the bio or dossier. Yeah, it's like, file it's like the line in uh, Training Day that the weapon that you choose defines you. You've got to have yeah weapons that do match the character and their specialties. You know what I mean? It can't just be random. And that's what we've been getting. Like yep. random weapons that have come with 50 different characters. Like Retaliation was full of that shit. Shit, yeah. yeah. But here's a novel thought. Some characters don't even have weapons. I mean, there you go. what? Torpedo? He's got fins. He's got a backpack and he's got a spear gun. Okay, so spear gun's a weapon. But, uh, you know, Breaker. What? He's, he doesn't have a gun? Huh? My mind is blown. <laughs> like, it is conceivable to have personnel who do not pack, you know, an entire arsenal. Mm-hmm. That's true. Cool. Yeah. What else? What else? You got three more slots. Oh, I I think uh, I've spoken enough, to be honest. Uh, <laughs> you can spread that concept over three if you want. But, you I, I mean, I, I suppose I could talk a bit about what I would want the media 
to reflect in terms of G.I. Joe. Maybe if, maybe if everything was integrated like it was back in G.I. Joe's heyday, that the comic books would actually be selling the toys primarily. That kind of synergy, I mean, maybe adult collectors bemoan that. Maybe they know when exactly they're reading an issue that is selling them the, I don't know, the, the badger, book. the brawler, and the battle wagon. It's like, oh, okay. Yeah. Three new vehicles. Um, <laughs> but the I comic did was not... always very cute with that because it almost used to, like, almost rip that off. You know, like... well. If he, if he was being tongue-in-cheek or not, I love that. Yeah. I, I watch cartoons because they depict the toys that I can play with. I read yep. the comics yeah. because I could act out those adventures with the toys that were in my hands. So those exactly. toy-selling exercises that some issues seem devoted to, they're all right by me. Yeah, so I agree. If, if IDW and Hasbro were to reaffirm their relationship a bit and it wasn't just a case of using a license because the characters are compelling and you've got a readership that wants to lap this stuff up and actually made it a useful exercise to promote what was on shelves at that time i mean case in point the resolute figures that you are now fawning over weren't available when the webisodes were going out when this stuff was hot news there were no toys to back it up it was a very piss poor bit of timing on hasbro's parts And they need that synergy that they had in the 80s to come back to reignite our love for the the line. It's particularly if they're cr- like doing something risky like branching out and creating new characters and new specializations and new play patterns. You need a comic book to support that. It would be too much of a stretch to have a cartoon as well. But hell, if you're really wanting to rip the roof off, yeah. the three-barreled approach is gold. Cartoon yeah. figures and comic book yeah is that enough speaking for you brother (laughs) that is enough (laughs) i need to rest my voice you know (sighs) yeah this was awesome yes so um quickly if you would like to punt your youtube channel and and any any other ventures that you'd like to to get out there um you're on our podcast now brother cool thank you um yeah, find me on uh, YouTube. It's Strident with a Y, S-T-R-Y-D-E-N-T. And uh, you can find me on Facebook. It's the same thing, Strident with a Y. There's another Strident with a I. He's, he's a band, but that's not me. It's the one with the Y. You can find us, uh, uh, my fan page on uh, Facebook, Strident with a Y. And, uh, join the that's group. Pretty... Yeah, join the group. Join yeah, the we movement. Do... We try to yeah, keep out. Yeah, the movement. <laughs> We try to geek out a lot. Um, you know, these days I don't know what's going on. People seem a little bit uh, kind of chill, but uh, yeah, you're welcome to join us and geek out. I'm on there most of the time, so we. Uh, I'm trying to throw up things, topics for us to talk about. So yeah, feel free to join. Ewitz is extremely enthusiastic. Every single new member gets a very warm welcome. So, if you want to bathe in the love, join Strident's <laughs> Facebook group. It's awesome. And join G.I. Joeberg as well. This is wonderful. The collaboration, the mixing of ideas, even if it's just for no other reason than to chat it up and you know have a laugh about it amongst ourselves, it's worth it. But um, our uh, North American companion, Cujo, is confident that this stuff eventually will find the ears of the people that can make it happen for us. 
So, um, yep, Strident and G.I. Joeberg, we are going to be running the G.I. Joe show, man. Watch yeah, this I space. So. Couple I of years, so. we'll be calling the shots. <laughs> okay, Fenris Company toys all the way. Watch. Yes, sir. <laughs> well, it's been real, and guys. good night, everybody. <laughs> yep. Adios. Peace outside, guys. Thank you.